Welcome back to Brunch with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday morning. Since it's Tuesday, you know it. It's that time of the week for the one and the only Andrew Dambina. Andrew, good to see you today. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. I, I, I'm missing the drum roll, you oh. know. Sometimes I get one, sometimes not. But Wait, otherwise, just... good. Hey! Yay! Anderson is here. <laughs> I think I mentioned that name a few weeks ago. You did. Um, so, Andrew, oh, this makes me sad because this is sort of the last instalment of the six-part series. Um, I think at the beginning of the summer, we were talking a little bit more about art appreciation. And sometimes in order to appreciate art, it's good to really have the knowledge or have some knowledge. In my case, very little knowledge. But it's good to be able to um, appreciate and just to know the different techniques uh, used throughout the centuries. Um, um, and so this week is the last week for, for a bit of art sing around art talk. It, it is, Noreen. Yeah, it's been fun. And, you know, it's hard to choose which segments of the, the millennia that are human, you know, sort of uh, creativity, uh, making marks, making two-dimensional ones and sculpture. So it's been basically a, a, a selection of things which were di- from different timelines. I'm not coming right up to the here and now because we can all kind of find out about that quite easily. Well, we, you, you can, of course, listeners and Noreen, um, on, on these other uh, uh, areas as well. It's not, not difficult to do that. But, uh, but surrealism is what we're going to end with. Excellent, excellent. i got to say, you've put in so much work just to, you know, break it, break it down for Noz the Dummy, but also just to break it down and just select really interesting eras. Um, oh, from, thanks. Yeah, so I really appreciate it. So hit us with a bit of surrealism. Okay, well, we, we talked about it, I think, maybe in the first episode. Uh, we may have mentioned, uh, you know, the word surrealism. Basically... A, a late British artist who was connected with the movement, and they were mostly centred around Europe, once again, these artists, in the early 20th century. Um, she said that the, the, the definition, really, of surrealism, in her mind, was that it is championing the irrational, the poetic, and the revolutionary. It's a, she said it's a philosophical as well as artistic mission to do that, and her paintings were some of the earliest. So there were female painters that we talked about in um, Impressionism. Also, there are some in Surrealism. And the, 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 the woman who gave yeah, that I'm quote... I'm quite confused sometimes between Impressionism, Impressionism and Surrealism. I feel like they kind of blend into each other ah. a little bit. Once you have a look at some of these images, uh, all will be clear. And hopefully the explanations oh, as well. Yeah. Excellent. So Eileen Agar, who was a fine art photographer, so she did kind of weird... A lot of people associate surrealism with weirdness, dreamlike sensations, and, um, as she says, irrational type of elements within them. It developed in Europe after World War I, and some people say it might have been a kind of psychological or traumatised way of getting out some emotions uh, in a way that we have art therapy today, perhaps. Yes, um, right. And it continued, though, well past World War II. It went on until the 60s, and there are even some artists now that can be called surrealist in their styles. And like abstraction, which we discussed last week, um, uh, and impressionism, there were female artists. So we're going to start with two female artists. And one of the first painters 
who painted something that can be called surreal is um, Francesca Clausen, Swedish again. Um, we, 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 we came across a female painter. It seems that Sweden was ahead of the curve, ahead of the game for having female artists, I've got to say, in the uh, late, late 19th century and, right. yeah, and then early 20th. They really, they really did have... There were, there were groups of women who painted as... Uh, uh, as a studio mates in in Sweden, and among a few of those, uh, Francisca Clausen became quite well known. She she's one of a few Scandinavians who then went to live in Paris, the centre of art, as we've heard many times before. And she described surrealism as being otherworldly. So she would put down her thoughts from the real world that she lived onto a canvas, and she would translate feelings with symbols. This piece here, you'll never guess what it's called, and it isn't one of those um, sort of... Composition for... Yeah, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not one of those. It's, it's called... I'm just going... I'm looking for this. I'm not going to say it in the native language, but, but the translation of it is fish and then colon, uh, the longing of pregnancy. Oh, wow. So, so there is a fish clearly there, and because of the title, you see, this is what difference something not being called composition gives us an intrigue. We then have to solve the puzzle. Um, it gives us some hints of what she's trying to say. Is the big? The, the, there are a couple of spheres. There's a sphere with a fish swimming out of a river at the top of it. I guess that the sphere on the right of the canvas, because there's also another one on the left which has some sort of yin-yang uh, association, but, uh, but I don't think that was her intention. It's just a black and white uh, circle or, yeah, more of a circle. The, the other one looks more three-dimensional, like a sphere, and, of course, it would have the feeling that it could be like the sensation. Tummy. Yeah, of yeah. a tummy and of maybe of the feeling of movement in a, in, a, in a pregnant woman. That's right. You know how all my children have, like, little pet names and they're all a fish and it all came to me during my pregnancy i, I love fish because and that was your sensation that was my sensation it yeah. felt like little fish like some people say it's like butterflies fluttering but it felt mm. like like a little small goldfish swimming around swimming around inside. right right yeah that's well you should uh, you you could you can share this one with your with with your kids maybe yes. give them a little understanding that it wasn't only their mummy yeah. who uh, who had who had that sort of no notion yes, yeah it was definitely yeah movement, yeah so. and uh, and of course uh, myself and the listeners look forward to seeing your painting uh, about <laughs> that sometime in the future that's such a cool <laughs> painting yeah so it's quite angular I mean I mean there's a lot of circles and stuff but. Um, all the colours don't really blend into each other like they did for Impressionism. There are, there are so many different elements to this because in the background they're almost like decorative panels which are all on the same canvas, which yes. are kind of forming a backdrop to some of the other elements like the circle and the sphere and the fish that we mentioned. Incredible. Yeah. Now, the, the woman Agar, the artist who gave those comments at the beginning, worked in mixed media, but she would take canvas and then sometimes cut a shape to symbolize look for example this is based on a snail oh. uh, a painting and it's very earthy colors there's some very sparse use of paint on the canvas meaning that not a lot of paint has been used and you can see some of the white canvas uh, untreated still coming through she has drawn on the canvas i don't know to be honest whether this is a very thin brush that she's painted like a drawing or whether she actually used a crayon or uh, an oil pastel which some 
painters use. And it's a very, it's a very different look. Uh, I, when you talked about what's the difference or are there similarities between abstraction and surrealism, this is where I can see a, uh, some comparison because the shape of Eileen Agar's picture that looks like a snail to me with a, with a bit of canvas leaf, dead leaf collage in it. She calls this piece the Reaper. Oh, as in the Grim, Grim Reaper. Oh. Um, and it's from 1938, uh, just before the Second World War broke out. Mm. So maybe it was while things were feeling tense. She lived in the UK, uh, the imminent uh, threat of another world war, because it had already been through one first world, world war. war one, yeah. So um, we, we get our viewers' perception challenged by surrealists, like the abstract abstract artists, the surrealists make us question what it is that we're seeing, uh, even though they drop us these little clues. And deliberately, that is what they do with surrealism. It is they will play with unexpected elements within a, uh, within a picture. You just don't expect something to be there. They also play with, um, with, with colours that you don't expect to be there. So... The people, if they know anything about surrealist artists, may have heard of Salvador Dali. He's the Spanish painter with the wacky moustache, and he painted in a... He could paint, like many artists of many different st modern styles, in a very realistic way, but he chose to put his, his images or his components down in a way which made us feel, yes, like we're having a bit of a bad dream. So there's um, a, a typical landscape of his. It looks like a, it looks, it looks like a cone. Yeah, we're, look, yeah, we're looking at a, a, a vertical canvas where there are conical shapes almost balanced on top of each other but on a, on, on some, being held up by some sort of tripod. And at the very top of those conical images is, a, is what is either a... Flower? Oh, a, a, a hand. A, yeah, it's either a glove uh, of, a, of a hand or I'm not sure if it's the skin removed from a hand and the fleshy part of a hand with some black veins going through it. It's all very odd, to say the least. It's and that is precisely what surrealism set out to do. Other typical trademarks of Dali would be to have landscapes which looked like they were from a bit of a nightmare. They'd always be um, very desolate, made up, desert-like, and one of his trademarks also was... Is that a watch? Yeah. Melting he, clocks. Yeah, melting clocks, exactly. Have you seen these, these images seen before? I have this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would use these melting clocks in a lot of them. It was about... It was a comment that he was making about, uh, about time. time. Yeah. What does uh, it mean? It, it's, it was about him... Uh, about people being obsessed with time and, uh, and, and him just showing time passing... By having by by having clocks or watch faces in his paintings, um, he didn't really give a precise definition of any of any of the images. He didn't give a lot of detail. Um, the the other uh, trademark of his was animals with overly long legs, horses, and elephants, oh, and they would I've be. I've not seen those ones before. Yeah, he wow. did. He did a number of these and. Uh, he he did so. So these were some of his trademarks. Others were that he painted the Madonna with uh, baby Jesus, um, but but it would be, be in a surrealist way with her with her with uh, uh, with sort of uh, a square missing from her from her, her torso, torso that you could see through. That's weird. 
Well, that's it. That's it. That's what the surrealists uh, were a bit weird. Uh, René Magritte from Belgium is another artist that I want to mention, and his best-known paintings are of a mysterious bowler hat-wearing man. Um, and uh, sometimes these were repeated images. Oh, yes. I, uh, what's his name again? René Magritte That's from Belgium. Yes. And there was a surrealism exhibition at the Museum of Art in Chimsa Choi about two years ago, and we were really lucky. It was during COVID. We were lucky that it managed to go ahead wow. and some of the best names from it were in there it was a smallish exhibition but it was a real treat for um, those who managed to get along there the the confronting the viewer is a, is a is a big theme as i said and with rene magritte one of his earliest images is of a simple smoking pipe for smoking tobacco that was much the fashion in the early 20th century. And underneath a very realistic picture of a pipe, a pipe. he writes in French, um, this is not a pipe. <laughs> and it, it's, it's challenging people to not automatically look at something and say, this is this. He's saying it's not a pipe. What is it? We don't know. He doesn't write another line to explain. But this is one of the premises of surrealism is to present challenge. something that's yeah challenge and to present something that's not expected and to make people not have the immediate assumption that what we're looking at is this to not pigeonhole everything okay um the 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 reigning man in a, in a, in bowler in a bowler hat man, um yeah, yeah it's um it, he called it uh golconda which was a word that was used in the uh, in in that time of the earlier half of the 20th century meaning a source of wealth and so his explanation about the different sized raindrops of men in bowler hats coming down on a street in uh, probably France, where he was based as well, even though he's from Belgium, just next door, um, was about people just being too uniform in what they do. Uh. Uniformity. So it, it, it was in times where people going to offices, gents would all wear the same, the same sort of trench coats and a dark suit and a bowler hat. So he was making fun of that a little bit. And the last one I'm going to... Oh, the last one from him I'm going to finish with. It's called The Son of Man, 1964. So we, we're, we're getting... We're getting this is as close as we have got so far. We're going to get a little bit closer, because I said at the beginning of this segment on surrealism that some people are still labelled surreal who are painting now. A living artist, Joe Vo, who lives, who's American, and uh, a painting of his called Black End from 2012 is very, very much in keeping with some of the desolate landscapes of Salvador Dali, although there are some buildings in the background of a rather and strange the long painting. long legs or long something. Yeah, teeth. I wonder if... Yeah, the, the long legs or... Or the long fangs of of a hat with someone wearing the Uncle Sam American type of uh, yeah. hat there, and then there seems to be some sort of snake creeping around into the picture. Who knows what it's all about? And with that painting, uh, I will just uh, say thank you very much for bearing with me, Noreen Mir, and listeners on surrealism. Um, I just want to say lobsters. Why? Because it's unexpected. And 
to really finish with, <laughs> Salvador Dali did a sculpture, famously, um, of a... Uh, a lobster, a model of a lobster shell on top of a receiver of the old style um, landline phone. Because the shape of the body is almost like a receiver of a yeah. phone. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, well, Andrew Dambina, <laughs> the drum roll right now. Thank you so much for your sharing. I really learned so much from you in the last six weeks. Well, always, but uh, the last six weeks have really been amazing. Thank you so much for putting in so much effort for this six-part series. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Noreen, and I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. And if, if, they, if you have, please let us know, and perhaps we can make more of these types of series um, uh, in the future. Thank you very much, Andrew. Until next week. Bye uh, for now. Thanks. Bye.